Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Wyndham Garden Lafayette. And by Sheward and Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette, we're out to lunch with creative business consultant Aileen Bennett. It's business Acadiana style. Hi, I'm Aileen Bennett. Welcome to Out to Lunch. There are two ways of launching a successful business these days. One is to come up with an idea, write a business plan, create a pitch, hire a pitch coach to sharpen your message, go through a business incubator, followed by a business accelerator program, go to friends and family for financing and then raise investment capital and finally become profitable. The other method is to stumble by chance into an already existing business, buy it off the owner and discover, having had no formal training, that you're a natural at business and that before you know it, you're expanding and diversifying, just like the business planners tell you, except that you don't have a business plan. That's pretty much what happened to Nancy and Jessie at the kitchen shop in Grand Coteau. Technically, their names are Jessie Poinbuff and Nancy Brewer. But everybody in Grand Coteau and way beyond knows them simply as Nancy and Jessie. If you don't know about the kitchen shop and you've only ever driven past Grand Coteau, it's hard to grasp quite how extraordinary this business is. The range of kitchen equipment and the gadgets in front of the kitchen shop is staggering. And in the back of the store, there's a small pastry shop and bakery that racks up online and real-life reviews that frequently describe the pastries as the best ever. If you think the kitchen shop in Grand Coteau is more like something you'd find in Manhattan, that might be because Nancy was one of Manhattan's leading pastry chefs. And Jessie was an artist there before they decided 25 years ago to get out of New York and move back to Lafayette with no plan, no job and no home. Jessie and Nancy, it's a pleasure to welcome you both to Out to Lunch. Thanks for having us. Thank you for the nice introduction. Loved it. (laughs) I mentioned diversification earlier. Diversification is the kind of thing successful businesses do to expand. For example, Amazon started off selling books only, and now it's diversified into selling, well, pretty much everything. On a markedly smaller scale, the kitchen shop diversified into women's fashion. It started out with Nancy's frustration at not being able to find anything fashionable to buy for herself to wear and culminated in a spin-off business called Pistache Dress Shop. Pistache is an equally unexpected find in a small Louisiana town and is now a standalone business in Grand Coteau, owned by Nancy's former protégé, Elise Ray. Elise, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you, Aileen. Nancy and Jessie. Once you get out of New York City and reduce everything proportionately from rent to the amount of money you can charge for a kitchen gadget in Grand Coteau, is running a small business in a small town any less stressful than running the same business in a big city? Life outside of the business, on the street and at home is more peaceable, but is running the business any different? I would not do this in any big city. I would do it only in Grand Coteau. Why Grand Coteau? Well, to anyone who's ever been there, you understand. Um, it's a very old, peaceful town. There is nobody that comes to Grand Coteau that isn't in a good mood. And I don't think the normal shop owner experiences customers that are only ever in a good mood. Do you think Grand Coteau puts them in a good mood or they were in a good mood to start? I think Grand Coteau puts them in a good mood. And if they've been there before, they look forward 
to come when they're coming. And it so is they, a kind of magical yeah. little, little pocket of Louisiana. Yeah. And nobody ever takes the effort to go out there unless they really want to be there. It's not somewhere you're not going on your way somewhere else and you happen right. to be in Grand Coteau. It's a deliberate it's action. It's a deliberate action. And so people are usually in a very good frame of mind. And so is there a bit of you that, should we not tell anyone else about your businesses to keep them magical? Uh, no, no, I don't think so at all. Nancy just looked horrified at that thought. <laughs> just that I think, I remember the very first time that I pulled into Grand Coteau. And I was driving, I worked at the Academy of the Sacred Heart years and years ago. And my first trip down to the Academy, I was, I was just overwhelmed how beautiful and serene and peaceful this place was. I had no idea anything like that existed around here. And I think anybody that comes to town, you know, if you weren't in that mood already, you're going to end up that way. And so that's why you decided to open a business there, because it already had that... Well, it was... It It, was not a decision. It was already a business. It was opened by some friends of ours, a photographer friend, John Slaughter, and his wife, Hilary Slaughter, who taught at the Sacred Heart Academy. And they, they started it about going on 35 years ago. And they had it for 10 years. And when we moved back from New York, like you said, we really didn't know what we were going to do. I was hoping to get back to teaching at, at UL. I t- had taught there before. Uh, but it worked out that they were ready to move on to something else. And asked, they had asked Nancy uh, if we would watch the shop while they went out of town. And Nancy said, well, do you mind if I baked in the kitchen? And when she started baking in the kitchen, of course, people smelled what was going on. And it just kind of uh, sort of snowballed from there. They, they hadn't told us before that that they were ready to move on. They didn't know what they were going to do before that. They ended up opening the restaurant Catahoulas, which used to be in, in Grand Coteau. And uh, we, we uh, stepped into it. Elise, you may have inadvertently created a whole new business investment strategy with the way that you launched for stuff. Right. <laughs> you set up a crowdfunding account, and there's nothing revolutionary in that. But instead of giving rewards as incentives like everybody else, you sold gift certificates to your business. It's kind of genius. You basically pre-sold your first $15,000 worth of merchandise. Plus, one of the known quantities of gift certificates is that when people come to use them, they tend to add a little bit more to their purchase. That's true. And there was an added value. That was really the perk of it all. Um, Nancy and I had a brainstorming session prior to me buying the shop. And um, and I, I think actually it was Nancy's idea to pre-sell gift certificates. And then I used the Indiegogo uh, or crowdsourcing model to uh, launch that. And I have would have a, had no concept as to how to go about doing what she did. So I love that yeah. you come up with this beautiful idea and then we can use technology to make it happen. Yeah. Right. It was great. It was. Yeah. It was really successful. And um, and I think it also introduced the shop to some of my peers and friends and family who hadn't no, really and known about it. And cleverly gave local media something to write about and right. so got the, the news out there in a very different way. And also you managed to take this little shop in Grand Coteau and use online to promote people to come to your brick and mortar store. That's an unusual way to, to open a store. How do you compete day to day with the online world? Ooh, well, I, I would have to say that, you know, it, it ties into the whole experience of Grand Coteau. I mean, you come out there because you, you or looking for a certain experience, you can, you can hit the antique shop, um, the kitchen shop, and the dress shop, and you know that you're going to find something that is 
unusual that you cannot just find online or really at another place that I can think of around here. Yeah, she's selling herself short here because <laughs> um, people go to her shop instead of shopping online because she knows what she's doing. And she and where did she learn huge, that from? She provides a huge amount of service to people. And we, we even have bit, lots of city customers in our dress shop because they get one-on-one -on -one attention, which they don't, you know, they might have access to some interesting clothes at a shop in New Orleans or a shop in Houston, but they don't have someone that knows them by name, helps them, knows what size they wear, knows what's going to look good on them, and someone who can really help you. I think that's why we... And is it the same in the kitchen store? Because we could go to Amazon and buy so many of those gadgets. It, I think that, over, you know, the Internet really wasn't a big competitor when we first started our shop. And, and it's something we've had to learn how to deal with. But um, I think a, a shop like ours is actually not in any danger from the Internet because we, we act as a filter for people. I mean, if you need to go buy yourself a good pot, you start looking, and there are like thousands of pots on the internet, and you have to sort through them and figure so it out. So, how do you source your products? How do you know which ones are going to sell? I which use ones? them. I use them. I take them into my kitchen and use them. And if I don't like them, they go in the trash. And if I like them, they're, they get put out for sale. <laughs> the majority majority of the of the kitchen things that we have, we we get and try first. Nancy, being a chef, and I also cook myself. Don't consider myself a chef, but I like good food, and I like good equipment that works. Uh, for an example, we used to carry a German line of nonstick uh, pans. It was very well made. The, the manufacturing on them after a few years changed in the distribution and they were not as good and not holding up as well. And so we, we ditched them. We took three years getting different pot lines and trying them before we decided on the ones that we carry. It's been there a long time, which, especially in the clothing business, to have a shop that's even, like, it's like 13 now, that's really yeah. old. When we go to market now, Jesse and I are like, you know, we're the antiques around there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when they find out that we've been in business for Literally. 35 years, they're like, oh my God, you know. <laughs> but, um, you know, the whole experience of it, um, we're, we're all very visually oriented and little details matter and we try to make it look really pretty and inviting so from the moment you pull up to either shop we have those two beautiful courtyards and all those trees two lovely cats you know it's just like a, and the smell of your bacon and the, and the smell of the food do you bake every day yeah, i bake every day what are your favorite things to bake um there are some chocolate cookies that i make that are my favorite thing. still even though you um, bake them yeah, on a regular yeah. basis quadrupled Belgian chocolate cookies. But um, the, you know, my <laughs> fa my most important item though is the the gâteau nana, which um, you know kind of happened by happenstance, and it ended up being. Explain the name and what it is. Gâteau. Well, the cake really is called gâteau breton, cake from Brittany, and it's based on a very European dough, which is um, a sugar dough, a cookie dough, which um, is similar to our native sweet dough pie. Which I am positive came over in some mama's pocket from France, you know. Um, very similar in the way that they are used in taste. Um, and uh, I added a pecan praline filling to this dough um, 
which I had I had quickly discovered after moving back here that people were crazy about anything Bacan around here. Yes. And the Gato Nana just became a huge, huge success for us. Um, I got a, a full-page picture in Gourmet Magazine. I got like three articles in Southern Living. Um, so can people order these online and get them shipped? Uh, we don't do online. <laughs> you have to call me on the phone. Um, and yeah, we ship them all over. The only product that we ship is the Gato. And I make about about 2,000 of them a year. So it's, it's a, I mean, I can't believe I make that many. I mean, it's just. So if I had a business course at the university, let's say, and I got all three of you in to speak to the students, what would you tell them is the most important thing? You've each got successful businesses. Love what you do. Yeah, we, you know, we try not to have things in our shop that we don't believe in. And when, when, you know, salespeople are salespeople, and some of them get it, they understand that, what our kind of outlook is, and they come to us, oh, we have this great, great product that just flies off the shelves and stuff, and I'm, but, I, you know, I really don't like the way it looks. We have to live with it for a while before it leaves our shop, and so we don't, we don't want to put it in if it's something we can't believe in. These are beautiful old-fashioned values in a very modern world, yeah. and they seem to be working. Well, we have, um, we're lucky to be in a small town with small overhead. I don't know how that would fly in, in, in a high-rent high right. place, you know, because yeah, you have more, to yeah. sell a lot to pay your rent. Much more competition, um, and also for us, too, that having been there for so long... We developed the following from a pretty wide area, probably 150 to 200 mile radius. We have regular customers from Baton Rouge, Alexandria, Lake Charles, uh, Shreveport, New Orleans, even Houston uh, that come, and even people who come from far away. Wow, Elise, <laughs> well, and I think also making connections with your customers. Um, I mean, during the holidays especially, I have husbands that come to me because they know I know what their wife wants, and um, I even have certain customers who I keep their wish list for them, and so the next time, you know, she'll come in, um, I can show her her list and the sizes and the colors that she looked at things in, and so, um, you know, I and I think having a good rapport... Um, Whenever I go to market, I can envision certain customers that will look good in certain pieces. And I know if I bring them in, they will but sell. As a fashion store, you're on the cutting edge. You have to have something new all the time. And yet you're still relying on this beautiful old-fashioned service. Is that a deliberate thing or is it just something you fell into? Or did you learn from your mentors? Um, a combination. A, a combination, I yeah. I would say, um, you know, one line in particular that we carry, um, April Cornell between the kitchen shop and pistache we're her largest account in louisiana have in been for over 20 years in the country yeah yeah and um she does these lovely vintage inspired um pieces that are just so classic and so timeless and you know if you have a certain event coming up whether it's um your daughter's wedding or you know your uh your, maybe your daughter's having her first child you know that you can come and find a beautiful nightgown or a beautiful lace gown or something that will and fit the bill. And did you come into this with a background in business? I came into it with a background in communication, so of a is, similar vein. Yes. Yeah. And do you use that background, or did you find that that was just okay? I learned that on paper, and it's different in the real world. Um, it does translate. I mean, in my previous jobs as a marketer, I always preferred the behind the scenes roles more. Um, I liked planning. I liked implementing. Um, 
And I think that it does help in um, the way that I can communicate and relate to customers. And Elise is very good at getting that across to people. She she was did marketing for uh, the Cadiana Symphony before she came. She worked kind of off and on because she lived in Grand Coteau for right. a little while for us for a while, and that's how we we connected with her. And, and uh, actually, I think one of the first times she came to the shop, she came to ask Nancy questions about making sweet dough pies. That was it. Yeah. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with Elise Ray from Pistache Dress Shop and Nancy and Jesse from the Kitchen Shop in Grand Coteau. We'll be back after this very brief break. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Aileen Bennett. I'm talking with Elise Ray from Pistache Dress Shop and Nancy and Jesse from The Kitchen Shop in Grand Coteau. And Nancy, Jesse and Elise, this is the part of the show that we call your brother-in-law. It's lunchtime. The three of you are about to sit down to lunch when the phone rings. Everybody checks their phone and it turns out it's your phone that's ringing, Elise. It's your brother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> Usually he only calls if he's got a great tip on a horse that he wants you to go in with him. But this time it's different. You might not believe this, but your brother-in-law's horse actually came in and he's sitting on $75,000 in cash. He wants to form an LLC with all of you, Nancy, Jesse, and Elise. And he wants to use your experience and track record of success to diversify and open a business in Grand Coteau. What would you tell him? A horse business? <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what business you think would work in Grand Coteau. I would say I don't know anything about horses. <laughs> Except that I like, I think they're He's beautiful. He's won the money on a horse. He doesn't have <laughs> he to He won have the your... money. Yes. Well, he should come spend it at the kitchen shop and at, at <laughs> the stash. <laughs> but if the three of you had the opportunity to open right. another business and pull your experience, what would you do? I'm well, not sure. <laughs> Go ahead. Um... I would probably just do the same thing that we've got, but bigger. Because I've always had an issue with not having enough room for the, the food. It's I'm very tightly squeezed in there. And um, um, I found that once I moved my clothing over to another shop, it was necessary to do that because of the size. But it was I missed having the clothing in with the whole thing I would love to see um, so one day you could have a department store with everything it, yeah I mean you have to be careful about that word because that's not what I'm envisioning I'm like envisioning an old barn ah. a beautiful old barn beautiful landscaping but that houses everything that we do inside of it so you walk through the clothes and you sit down and have a cup of tea and uh, yeah Perfect. That, that triggered me. I would like to see a wedding venue. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What, what brings that to mind? Um, oh, you know. <laughs> Elise, I, we should probably tell the listeners Elise is about to get married. I'm getting married. Um, and so that's actually a new facet that I've recently incorporated into um, the business. Nancy had some wedding gowns there previously. And, uh, and I have some now, a new line. They're a bit more... Um, modern French lace, um, kind of a vintage meets bohemian aesthetic, really beautiful, um, designed by twin sisters in California. It's a really tiny operation. I was stunned that they allowed me to carry them because I'm not a bridal parlor. And is that who you'll be wearing? Yes. And um, yeah, they're really beautiful. And uh, a line of locally made bridal hair pieces. And so um, the wedding, wedding aspect is new. 
to the shop. And we have this lovely barn, an old milk barn in town, and I would just love to see it turn into a wedding venue. We're going to need more than $75,000. Yeah, we're going to need a lot <laughs> more Maybe money. we'll just get a few more brother-in-laws to yeah. buy horses and we'll be fine. Good work. Yeah. <laughs> see, we have a great idea. Someone's going to listen to the show and steal this immediately. Uh, and Good, great. Well, great, yes. No. But her talking about, you know, increasing the wedding things at the dress shop, um, it's kind of a glimpse into how we have run our business is that, um, okay, so one time I had a customer come in and ask me if we had um, fire fireplace screens and pokers. And my answer was, well, I don't have a fireplace. <laughs> um, so all these decisions are very personal. Do very you then personal. sit down and look at the numbers and ask if they make sense? Or do you just oh, you operate see, on your you heart? Can, you can, I can see it. I, I can tell if it's working. But um, and another example is like I have a nine-year-old godchild who I love dearly. And um, he, from the time he was born, the um, all of a sudden the baby department like really expanded, <laughs> and then the you know the toddler department really expanded, and now there's just a, an amazing amount of really cool things for nine-year-old boys in my shop. So for all um, of you, your business decisions are actually personal decisions. You just go they with are. what you love at the time. Yeah. Has it ever backfired? It can't backfire too bad because um, because if it doesn't work as a se- selling technique, you still love it. You know, I mean, you are you have to try new things always, and I can't think of a better way to try new things than it's something that got your personal interest. Um, going to France, all of a sudden there's lovely French books in the shop. Yeah. I would love to see you, you open know? a store back in Manhattan with this philosophy. <laughs> it would be sought after. You know, it, it might be, actually. Um, I, we travel a lot, and we go to a lot of shops everywhere. And it sounds, I don't know how to say this, and that sounds, but well, there, I love my shop. I think it stands up to There were a line of French bodies. products that we carried, uh, a company that did uh, reproduction French things from early early 20th century, late 19th century things. They started as a shop called Comptoir de Famille. And then they opened, they started a line of, of a wholesale business that they went to markets and sold. And uh, a friend of ours who, who, who goes to France to buy uh, antiques, who has a store in New Orleans called Luculus, uh, uh, that uh, he, su- he suggested us looking at that. And we brought those in and, and it did very well. Did very well, and we do After have products France, that yeah. that crash that don't sell. But I think because we're small, we don't have a lot of back stock. We don't, you know. I mean, um, suppliers do require you to buy certain number of items, but we try not to go too deep. Uh, we don't have a lot of storage space, so we really can't. So. That keeps us from, I think, over-ordering to a certain extent. So it seems like part of your business plan, whether it's formal or informal, is to rely on the magic of Grand Coteau and the magic of just loving things. And and that seems to work for all of you as a business. Absolutely. And, and having an a, a, a interrelationship with the, with the customers, for sure. That's, that's important to yeah, us. Yeah, customer service is the most important yeah, thing. And, in and you know, Absolutely. especially, uh, um, you know, I feel, okay, it feels, I feel rather vocated to this. Um, you know, 
you know, people will say it's just, oh, it's just retail. And, you know, and it is. But we have been a part of people's major events in their lives. You know, they buy, you know, a present for their new baby. They buy a present for their wife on their wedding. They buy the last birthday present they're ever buying their 90-year-old mother. Um, so you're very, part of their lives and their stories. Yes, and, um, and that matters to me. Um, I don't think there's enough things out there in our world, especially right now, that bring enough um, happiness and love into the world. And like at Christmas, Christmas Day, I just love thinking about all the people eating gato nana for Christmas. You know, and that people are enjoying their chocolate-covered cherries in their Christmas stocking. Wearing their April yeah. Cornell nightgown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the current national climate, it's hard not to be overwhelmed by events and feel personally powerless. Then you meet people like you, Nancy, Jesse, and Elise, and you realize that one person can make a difference. Each of you makes a significant contribution to both the economy and the life in Grand Coteau. And the other lesson you can learn is the inspirational truth that if you want a better life for yourself, you can create it. Nancy, Jesse, and Elise, it's been a genuine pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Thank you so Thank much you for so having much. me. Thank you so much. Yeah. It's been a pleasure. You were so, you were so sweet. <laughs> My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Nancy and Jesse from the Kitchen Shop in Grand Coteau and Elise Ray from the Pistache Dress Shop right next door to the Kitchen Shop in Grand Coteau. You can find out more about Nancy, Jesse, Elise and Grand Coteau by following the links on our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Morell. Our researchers are Anne Christian and Ali Coates. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from this show on our website and Facebook page. These photos were taken by Lucius A. Fontenot. You can find out more about Lucius Fontenot photos at lafphoto.com. You can get this show and past shows as a podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at our websites, krvs.org and itsacadiana.com. You can keep up with us on all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsacadiana.com and krvs.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and krvs 88.7 FM. I'm Aileen Bennett. Thanks for joining me today. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the lunch table for more business Acadiana style on Out to Lunch. Out to Lunch Acadiana is recorded live over lunch at Cafe Vermilionville in Lafayette. Cafe Vermilionville is open Monday to Friday for lunch and six nights a week for dinner with a courtyard that sets the scene for fine Louisiana cuisine. The Out to Lunch Acadiana theme music, Encore Monsieur Nice Guy, is written by Mitch Foreman and performed by Mitch Foreman and Andre Michaud. Out to Lunch Acadiana business consultants are Pete Prados from Innovate Acadiana, The Opportunity Machine, and Dr. Blake Escudet. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRVS 88.7 FM. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. And by Sheward & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. 
Support for Out to Lunch Acadiana comes from Wyndham Garden Lafayette, located off Pinhook near Collie Saloon. Wyndham Garden Lafayette is a pet and family-friendly hotel with reception space for large and intimate events, free parking, free Wi-Fi, and a free shuttle within three miles that includes the airport and downtown restaurants. 